Hello and welcome to Center for Victory's podcast of your best day yet. Here at Center for Victory, we're here to help unlock, reinforce, and enrich relationships through personal and professional development. I'm Eric Guy, Chief Victory Officer here at the Center for Victory. Uh, with us today, uh, guest Dave Lutz. Uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself, but really um, interested in what he brings to the table what his experience has lent and is going to lend to the discussion today. And I hope you get uh, a lot out of it. So Dave, I'm going to shut up for just a second and let you introduce yourself and, and your, your story, because it is, at least for me is very interesting. Well, thanks very much, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. The challenge I have is there's a great British expression called how long is a piece of string? (laughs) And uh, I mean, I began life, professionally in ministry in South Africa. It was in the apartheid era, Jesus revolution. I was a pastor there in several churches. And uh, when I left South Africa and transitioned, sorry, really funny thing happened. And I'll tell you, on the plane coming back from South Africa, I had a 26-hour flight. And sitting next to me was a vice president of human resources for some global corporate. And I had no idea what human resources was. I'd never heard the phrase. I'm a church guy, you know. And uh, he talked to me for 26 hours. And by the time we'd finished, he said, you really ought to get into organizational development, change management, leadership development, training. And I go, okay. <laughs> I, I really didn't have a clue in America for a couple of years and over to England to go back into ministry. And I completely ignored this guy. And uh, the funny thing that happened is that I was, the, the role that I was recruited to take fell through. And now, you know, I sat down and said, I guess I have to get a real job. And uh, I found myself through all kinds of interesting connections and circumstances uh, being exposed to the management philosophy of the guy who's famously known as the father of the third industrial revolution, name is Dr. W. Edwards Deming. And I became an intern with him. And I spoke at a workshop at Cambridge University, knowing really nothing about the subject. All I know is that at the heart of what he shared, it connected with me in terms of my own Christian values. I knew I wasn't a good organizational, institutional pastor type, I just wanted to help people develop their skills, identify and find their their skills and their gifts, and then develop them. And so here was a philosophy that I could use. And uh, cut this very long story short, I spoke at a workshop. I was invited to speak at a conference at the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1990 in Prague in Czech Republic. And they misprinted my introduction and called me Dr. Lutz. And even though I stood up in front of hundreds of people at the plenary session and said, I'm barely a student on this subject, servant leadership being one of them, organizational excellence being another, but the philosophy of Deming, it didn't matter. I now Dr. Lutz, I'm now an expert. And uh, I spent the next, well, for the rest of my life, toing and froing out of about, in total now, I think we're at 42 countries, uh, sharing on the principles of how to be good leaders, excellent leaders, and to develop and and create a soil for your people to grow in so that everybody wins. And that's what I do. So I'm an organizational development, leadership development coach, consultant, trainer, and I help organizations to create a culture and an environment and leaders to adopt a style and philosophy, if you like, that allows them to, to, to lead well 
and excellently. That's the sort of mantra if I believed in mantras. Yeah. And, and so that's, you know, a lot of what we do here as well. And that's why this uh, topic is so interesting. Uh, it's something near and dear to your heart. Um, I know as, as well as, as mine is servant leadership. Um, you know, what, how, how important, <laughs> and you can go into this, is it for leaders to help people uncover you know, their gifts, talents, and skills inside of a company. Yeah. Uh, a personal illustration on that. It took me years to discover what made the light come on in my own heart. Okay. Um, and I just, I found out after hundreds of ex ex experimental training sessions <clears throat> that when that, when my soul and my heart gets excited and I feel good about what I'm doing, is when I see the light come on in other people's eyes. When I see them go, yeah, I get it, I understand it. And I'm creating that bond that says, I'm here to help you convert that, develop that, enlarge that thing that's going on inside you, that new knowledge, that new insight that says, yeah, uh, when I see that happen, I'm, I'm, I'm a pig in mud. And what happens has happened, and I, share, I joke about this, but my funny family doesn't think it's very funny, is that after I've been doing this in another country, I've been traveling round trip for 70 hours. I'm in a Yambu, Saudi Arabia or someplace, but it went well. And my standards are very high. And I criticize and beat myself up if I don't see that light come on in the room. And if I don't connect and, and create a, an opportunity to help these people grow, learn, improve, and find meaning, purpose, direction for their life. That's my sort of theme tune. Anyway, I come home. And I'm exhausted. And at some point after a day or two, the family will say something like, you know, dad, please go away more often. You know, oh, really? Thanks. So, well, what do you mean? Well, the meaning is we like this guy. We, we, we like this person. You obviously did well. You obviously are satisfied with what you did. And this guy, even though he's tired, we can see that, mm, you know, it meant something to you. So for me, it's not, it's not a mystical thing. It's not warm and fuzzy. It's not esoteric. If an organization will simply place value on a human being's life and recognize that they have God-given talent and ability that can be discovered and unlocked, if they create, changing the metaphor, soil for them to plant in, and if they nurture that with care, good feedback, open communication, great delegation, um, and invest in those people, everybody wins. I mean, that person goes home at the end of the day saying that was a good Well, Not every day is going to be perfect, but that was a good day. I enjoyed the and, it, and then they want to go back tomorrow. The family wins. The community wins. Their church, if that's part of their life, wins. But the organization also wins. And I've often said to adopt servant leadership practices and to shift away from a command and control, dictatorial, militaristic model of driving people, rather empower them, push them up through servant style leadership, it's smart business. It's not just good and right to do, it's smart business. And, and I, I often, I've, I've done studies on all of the different surveys that have been done by employer of choice, great place to work, investor in people, these standards that are out there that companies aspire to, and they want to put on their website, we believe in people. We believe in investing in our people. We are a great place to work. We've had the award for 10 years running. 
all of them basically have similar themes. And number one on the list of why people give more, try harder, work harder, stay longer in an organization is because they feel invested in it and they have a career path and a development plan. Number two, they have a good relationship with their boss. Because people, as we know, people don't leave organizations, they leave bad managers, you know, that old theme mm-hmm. tune. But number three or number two point A or two A is fit. People know where they fit. They know they are valued, appreciated, and they are given the opportunity to be that round peg in a round hole and and are rewarded and recognized for their contribution. Now, pay and benefits is five or six on the list of the top 10 reasons. I mean, even 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 number four is is good communication. And I like the people I work with. Mm-hmm. I mean, paying money, money, well, okay, during economic crisis, that number creeps up. But at the same time, we're trying to create a culture where people feel empowered, strengthened, invested in, cared for. And what the cool thing is that this, the servant leadership message that I've just kind of summarized is becoming the hot ticket item for good, smart business. Investors are looking for companies that do this. And that is a new thing. Okay, a lot of them fake it. A lot of them got a great website that says, We're, we, our people are the most important thing in our lives. And you ask the people and they'll say, oh, really? You know, I, I'm not so sure. But anyway, that's, that's the sort of theme tune that I go by. And um, I know that the people who hear it, and I'm working with middle, upper, and even senior managers, I'm coaching executives in different parts of the world as we speak. And they're crying out, they say, yes, that's what I wish my boss, that's what I wish my shareholders and stakeholders in my, in my world would see and appreciate it and want to make happen for me, but senior leadership don't buy it. And so I've been accused of being the author and the creator of frustration, 30 countries, <laughs> because they go away from the session saying, I, I wish my boss was here to hear yeah. this, you know, and uh, anyway, yeah, I'm sowing I mean- seeds. I can walk away because you know, I'm a coach. I can go in. I don't like the idea of sowing those seeds and then walking away. So I'm grateful for opportunities to follow up with good training, training with coaching. So, Yeah, I mean, it, and you, you mentioned, Dave, you mentioned uh, just the, in what you were saying there, you know, companies are really looking for this. Um, as I look at the research that it's out there, this new generation is really looking for that. Absolutely. They're really... Absolutely. You know, one of their biggest things, and and I have, you know, I have kids that have just entered the workforce um, over the past couple years, and it's in their language. They want to feel invested in, and like they matter. They, they not only professionally, personally. Yeah, Would no, you agree with that? No, absolutely. I have a twenty-two-year-old. He's doing his master's degree part-time. He's just finished college or university, and. Uh, I've, he's doing interviewing. I know that I'm, I'm blessed to have a kid who, who is an excellent communicator. He, he's a natural, authentic young man who he connects with everybody. Young kids, young children and adults love him to be there because he, he really listens well. He connects well. He's not just a talker like his dad. And, uh, I, he was been explaining to me and describing to me the interviewing the interviews that he's been going through lately. And, uh, and I said to him, I've, off, I've asked him several times, what was it about the interview 
that you believe they missed on the one hand? What did they not ask you that you wish they had? And then we'll compare it to the interviews that went well. And I said, well, what was good about it? He said, because they tapped into what I really believe. They asked questions about what I really wanted to do. And I, and I could convince them that I know the kind of place, the kind of work, the kind of people that I want to build the next phase of my life with. And I said, is that a surprise to you? And he said, no, it was a great joy for them to actually find the authentic me as it were. And I said, you got that on a, on a Zoom call? He said, yeah. They had thought about it and that matters to them. And he said, if that matters to them, that they find that in me, well, then that's the kind of place I want to work in. I go, okay. You know? And dad, I, I'm, a, I'm a career consultant. I've not shared any of this with him. This has come out of the 22-year-old, that age group that's beginning to, I don't just want to work at Walmart. I want to use my skill, my knowledge, my ability, and my and discover a place that will tap into my heart dreams, and give me a chance to test it. And I've and he learned how to ask the kind of questions when they, you know, the typical interviewers. Now, you know, Dave, have you got any questions for me? You know, and I've got a list of questions that really embarrass interviewers. You know, you know, if if you if what is it about you that would make me want to work for you? You know, I mean, you know. Okay, well, thank you, Dave. That's all the time we have, you know, and, you know, and, but he's learned to do that naturally because that's where his generation is thinking. And I'm uh -huh. extremely amazed by it as well as very pleased. Not all kids, obviously, but, um, but there is that heart thing there that they, they want to, it's more than just use me as an exploitable commodity to achieve your business objectives. You know, I'm not just going to be a skill that does something, goes home and finds something else to do when I, you know, outside of my work time. He thinks about what he dreams and does when he's not doing work. Mm -hmm. it's, he's always experimenting, always studying, always looking for better ways to do what he loves to do. And I think it's amazing that he's discovered that at a young age. I'm really, but it's happening all over the place, all over all over the world. And it's not, it's not unique to the American culture by any means. I've worked right. in too many. So, yeah. So you're reading my mind. That's what I was going to ask next. Is this, is this unique to, you know, North America? This well, <laughs> we, we do have a problem in North America and I'll, and, uh, and I'm, I'm going to make enemies of your audience here. Somebody, you know, headquartered corporate global corporates that are based in the U S have got this misconception in my opinion, and I spent years picking up the pieces of well-meaning PhDs from the U.S. or from Harvard or wherever who've gone out to implement a new program in another country. We believe that the way we approach things, which is very box-ticky, you know, here are seven ways that you can be a successful human being without sweating. But it does mean that you don't have any vacation time and you can't spend time with your kids. But that's beside the point. Um, you, and so other cultures will try to adopt our, uh, you know, seven habits of habits of highly effective people, you know, and I've met Covey. I, I, I had lunch with him and Deming at the same time. Wow. Uh, they didn't know I was at the table. I just listened in. Oh. But, but, but <laughs> the, uh, but the, the, so we've got, I mean, I've worked a lot in India, for example, and these guys will say, well, tell me what I need to do to pass the test and be a great manager. And they love the idea of seven habits or mm -hmm. 16 things you have to do. But then they, they're very quick to come back and say, but that implies that that's, that will work only in a culture 
where empowerment instead of command and control approach is, exists. If I have command and control, I can't implement those things. Mm-hmm. If I'm told what to do, if there's a hierarchical structure that you know you pass down instructions down the ranks until it reaches the shop floor, and then the supervisor tells the shop floor what you have to do, and everybody bursts out laughing because there's no way it's going to happen. Uh, process has not been improved. There's no capability analysis. There's no risk assessments. It's just been told to do it from the top. Well, other cultures react, you know, they like the idea of the American methodology, but it doesn't fly if the culture and the soil isn't right, if I could mix the metaphor. And so they will try what head office tells them to do, and then they get a reaction. And then we start measuring, oh, why have we got a 36% turnover rate amongst middle and upper managers? Because they're, and especially in the younger generation, if they don't feel invested in, don't feel you know, even if the American model is really sound and good, uh, if it doesn't work in that culture, well, they're going to find they're going to fly. You know, mm-hmm. I do I do a, um, a flight risk assessment all the time. What's the risk of this person flying, leaving and why? And if the, and if we assess them to be a high potential candidate in whatever cat, whatever set of criteria we use, then what do we have to do to keep them? If they're not ready now to be promoted and it's only in two to three years, but they are a flight risk and the impact of loss would be considerable, what do we do? Well, the one thing we don't do is shove them into a training course that was set up by the U.S. head office. That doesn't help. It might look good on their resume that I've ticked the box, but the younger generation is not looking for that. They're wanting to feel like I have a chance to experiment, to be creative, to be innovative, and be given the freedom to make some mistakes uh, and supported when I do so. They love phase delegation. They love empowerment. They love an assessment that, am I ready to take on more? Well, I am. Can you give me this chance to take one more step? And in in, in other cultures, it gets frustrating because they are complied. They have to comply with some standard. And when we get into environmental quality, health, safety, security standards, global ones, yeah, fair enough. And in those contexts, the command and control works. You either comply and put that pipe in the right place in the right way, uh, or people will die. But you know, there's no debate. Do it. Okay, fine. Command and control works. And I teach people all over the world at the opening of my courses, repeat after me, it depends. What do you mean it depends? Well, you'll find out. Someday it's great. The leadership style is to be a coach. Someday it's to be a friend. Someday it's to be a trainer. Some days it's to be a mentor. The next day you got to be a dictator. And after that, you're going to have to be a compliance officer. You're going to have to fill all kinds of roles depending. It depends on the context, the situation, your readiness to take on more, et cetera. But I have to know my people to be able to to go with the flow. And if I have established trust and transparency has been my hallmark with my people tomorrow, if I tell you, Eric, you've got to do it. I'm telling you, there's no choice. There's no debate. That's what you have to do. You're going to say, cool, Dave, I trust you. I, I, I know you, you have built a relationship and I, I can believe in you. And then servant, that's the model for me is servant leadership that adopting that kind of trust and open, transparent culture, even in a department. Oh, man, you're really giving me therapy here. This is good. I, I feel like I'm talking to my psychologist here, my career psychologist. Yeah. Um, 
so I, we use a, a quote and I might misquote it because it's not right in front of me for actually from Deming uh, that, that says uh, something to the nature of, did you kill them or were they dead when you hired them? Uh, <laughs> and that always gets a chuckle, but it, it kind of leads to that second point you were saying a manager that understands somebody and is, the, is not going to run the person in the ground because again, not not just the younger generation, but we, we were talking about the younger generation. But when somebody comes into the company, uh, you know, it's almost like we break their spirit somehow a lot yeah. rather than build them up. But, you know, what do you tell managers around that? You know, what what are some things that that our listeners and viewers could get out of that uh, to be better managers? I'm, I can't say I'm famous for this expression, and I probably stole it from somebody years ago, uh, but I don't remember who, is don't boil the ocean, boil a teacup. Um, you can't change the culture overnight. Mm -hmm. uh, even the culture of your department, if you've inherited it or even over time you've created it by your leadership style, you can't make a major change immediately. Start small. If, if listening, if you claim to have an open door policy for communication with your people, it's got to be more than just a literal open door into your office. Uh, if you claim that recognition is a priority and that people, they don't actually need money to reward them, but some other form of recognition, if you believe that, start small. I remember very quickly, I worked with a, a public-private sector combo in England some years ago. And we went away for the weekend with the leader. I took was away for the leader. Yeah, Deming, uh, Deming was too expensive, so they let me come. And we, there were nine of nine of them, and the top guys, nine guys in this organization, sixteen thousand people organization. And we spent the weekend together, and they finally decided that their values were going to be number one: all people will be loved and accepted unconditionally in this organization. And I go, what? The next one is you can fall flat on your face and still be accepted. We'll pick you up, dust you off and help you to fail forward if you're going to. But we'll, you know, and they had all the language and the jargon. I said, guys, don't do this to yourselves. I said, you've got to live this. You've got to practice it. How are you going to you can what are you going to do? Put it up on posters throughout the organization on Thursday. I said, please don't do this. I said, what do you recommend we do? And I said, each one of you steal two people from your department. Just take two. And for the next six to nine months, you live one of those values differently. Listen better, connect better, delegate better, get feedback better, um, recognize achievement, create a small team better than you've done before, get some, get some collaboration going, and then teach them and help them to do that with their reports and then with their report. But do it, don't, don't post it. And they didn't listen. Mm. And within six months, seven of those nine guys were gone. And the wow. one department that listened to me, uh, he called me back up and said, I guess you've heard. And I said, yeah, I watch the news. You know, I see you. I just live around the corner from you. And he brought me back in and we were able then to work out a plan, which actually resulted in him becoming the chief executive, but that's another thing. Wow. But he got the, the retention numbers went up. The productivity went up because people actually began to see that it's okay for me to fail in this organization because I will be supported. Now the message to leaders was to so, so don't, don't boil that ocean, do one thing well, different first three months. I don't care how long, just 
be more predictable, more consistent, more caring, more transparent, more open. If that's what is needed, then do it. But don't try to boil everything, all the rest of the teacups, just do one. So I'm, it's, it sounds pretty simplistic. And for, a, you know, a global consultant, it is, you know, you, they pay you to give that kind of advice. Well, yeah, they do. But I try to help them identify with that one area, that one thing that they could do differently, whether they've heard it from their wife or whether they've heard it from their husband or whether they've heard it from their colleagues or the gossip in the organization is you are terrible. It's at allocating new jobs. You favor people. Well, change it then. Start with one thing. Uh, and that's all I can say. I, I, you want to hire me, you know, give me lots of money to go out and give that a recommendation. Yeah. I'm happy to, but it works for me. It works. Absolutely. And that's, that actually great advice. I know it sounds simple, but it is great advice. I would, uh, I would second everything that you said. Um, last question for you, Dave, before we, uh, end the podcast here. Um, what do you think, and this is, this could just be all your opinion or whatever, but, you know, considering your experience, I, you know, I think people should value it. What happens if companies, especially into the future, what happens if companies don't do some of these things that you're talking about? What do you see happening? I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, people pay me money sometimes for me to tell them I don't know. I I don't. I tend to be a guy that's more grassroots focused. I've worked as an executive in three or four global corporates, and I've sat up at the top and and got frustrated that we couldn't implement deep enough where change could really matter. The pressure from shareholders in these is too great. They just want to see return on investment. They're not, they don't understand what it means that investing in people increases your return on investment. So um, I remember when I sat as a consultant with a, the world's largest company of its kind, I sat across the table from the executives and said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to help you get the right people in the right job, doing the right thing in the right way, with the right support, the right training, achieving the right objectives and goals with the right um, succession planning model. And they looked and one guy said to me, that's it? <laughs> That's that's all you're going to do is get the right people in the right job. And I said, dude, you know, you know, you don't even know what the right jobs are. Wow. So I think what's going to happen that's is it. the bigger ones are going to are going to lose out to the competition who do get that. And then we're going to find the smaller, more aggressive, but more caring. I mean, business wise, aggressive market wise, aggressive but more caring and supportive are going to survive. And they're going to, those smaller ones will band together. They may not join into a corporate, thankfully, I hope they don't, but they will be a model for best practice and, and standards that I hope others will follow. But the bigger ones are going to suffer if the smaller competitor, competitors do it right. And actually probably bid for contracts cheaper. But they'll keep their people longer. Anyway, I wish I had a slick answer for that. But I no, don't. that's 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 a great answer, and I would agree with that. I you know I just want you know a lot of these things I believe in. Uh, I think we could you know work side by side together, you and I, because it's I just like that 
our viewers and our listeners hear from somebody other than me all the time, right? <laughs> it's like, here's a, here's a guy that's been out longer than me, more experienced even, and all that. I mean, you've been around the globe. So I really appreciate uh, the value that you've given with uh, the things that you've said today, Dave. And I really hope uh, I can get you back on at uh, another oh, point in you. time. Uh, because I mean, what you have said is just so valuable. Uh, but before I forget, uh, if people want to reach out to you, Dave, how can they, how can they get in touch with you? Well, LinkedIn is the easiest these days. Okay. You know, I'm there. Um, oh, by the way, I've just got published today on brains magazine. It's a, a feature article. Oh, congratulations. Uh, feature interview podcast. I'm even on the cover, you know, which Ooh. I'm showing this to all my friends as we speak, you know, they got to see me on the cover. Uh, I look really young and intelligent. I really like the photograph. And uh, so, but you can do that, you know, through there, that my links are in those articles. I'm doing 12 articles on how to find pe purpose, meaning and direction for your career in life. Wow. But Wonderful. the, uh, but also LinkedIn, David Lutz, fine. I've got a new w website that's hopefully going to be up by next week which is uh, David Lutz or undernewmanagement.com, under-new-management.com. Um, but that's about it, really. Okay, and that's Lutz, L-U-T-E-S, correct? Correct. Yeah, all right. instrument plural. All right. <laughs> Very good. Uh, really appreciate you being on, being a guest, Dave. Like I said, love to have you back um, at some point in time. I uh, really enjoyed this. And that's all for today, folks. Really appreciate you watching, listening, tuning in. Um, if you want more information from us, you can go to the website, our website, centerforvictory.com. And just remember, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, make this your best day yet. We'll see you soon.